Hello, everyone. Today, I'll have the privilege to sit down with one of my professors here at NYU by the name of Mitchell S. Jackson. Professor Jackson holds an MFA from NYU, is also an award-winning author, filmmaker, TED Fellow, and so much more. You know, personally, Professor, I've appreciated you, you know, you so much since the beginning of the semester. I felt we could relate in, you know, so many different ways. You know, we both grew up on hoops and, and hip-hop, you know, something <laughs> I have passion for. Um, you know, you've been such an impre impressive professor for me, and, you know, your story so, you know, motivates me in so many ways, so I can't wait to share it. So with that being said, uh, you know, you've overcome some amazing obstacles in your life. You know, I've, I've saw online uh, you lectured on some very, you know, deep topics. Mm -hmm. um, Personally, one that stood out to me was, you know, prison to the pen. Uh, could you talk a bit about your journey? Uh, well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that got me to the prison part of it. Uh, probably, you know, the easiest, um, I don't want to call it an excuse, but maybe the most uh, uh, affecting was my mother's addiction and, um, and watching that for a little while probably from the age I was 10 till I was about 14 or 15. Uh, and then around that same time, a lot of the guys I know were starting to sell drugs. And so I started off and on. I did off and on in high school and, uh, and kind of picked it up when I was a, uh, when I graduated, starting to go to college. And uh, once I started making a little money, that was uh, a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up going to prison probably, I think I was either 20 or 21 years old. Um, I didn't do enough time for it to really be um, anything more than like a bump for me. Yeah. Though, uh, no, I wouldn't say that because any amount of prison is a reprimand. But, uh, I mean, I know guys that did a lot more time than me. So yeah. I was fortunate that I was already in college and um, that I already I didn't have a love for writing but I it was something that I did to um, like this catharsis and so um, I started writing while I was there and then kind of picked it up a year or so after I got out when did the time come when you were like my dreams bigger than selling drugs <clears throat> uh, man I don't think I don't think I ever really had that thought while I was selling drugs I was just thinking because I didn't have a dream yeah like I I wasn't really good enough to go to the league and I knew that so uh I was kind of like filling time until something became a passion for me yeah um so it was more like not that my dream is bigger but I just don't have one and I need to keep myself from being killed or going to prison yeah. for a long time before I can kind of figure this out. And then I think I discovered I had talent before I discovered I had passion. Yeah. And and, and the talent, like, led me to, um, you know, being passionate about writing. Awesome. So to stay on the same topic of your story, mm -hmm. I want to get into the residue years. I, 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 I copped the book. I'm like, <laughs> I'd say I'm a, I'm a third of the way through it. Okay. I'm enjoying it so far. Um, very different way of writing you have. Mm -hmm. I, it's really different. I really like it. You know, for for this generation, you know, I recommend, you know, all millennials to read this book because, you know, we're into this, you know, the way we text now, the way we write to each other, you know, yeah. it's not very formal. Yeah. And 
it makes me not want to put this book down because I can relate to the way you're mm-hmm. talking and you know it's captivating and um, could you just give us some context on the title uh, the me. title was um, so I was on a plane uh, I don't know where I was headed but I had a GQ magazine with you know you buy something to read in the airport yeah 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 and it was uh, Mark Jacobs was on the cover of it, um, and I opened it up, and I can't remember if it was the title of the article. I don't think it was. I think it was a line in his profile, and it said uh, he was talking about his years as a drug addict, and he yeah. said those were my residue years. And when I read uh, that uh, that sentence, it just took me back to being like 15 years old yeah. and sitting in a drug house and watching. Uh, drug addicts come in there and smoke on their pipes and and just like at the time it was happening to me <clears throat> I was like and what am I doing I used to be so scared in there I didn't know what was going to go on this yeah. is like man this might have been like the late 80s early no it had to be the early 90s anyway so that the term residue always stuck with me as like a marker of how um, low someone could fall with addiction. And yeah. so when I read that, I immediately said, oh, like, this is what I'm talking about here. Like, no one wants to hit where you got to smoke the residue. Yeah. So, to stay on topic of the residue years, you yeah. also have a documentary that you titled The Residue De- Years yeah. as well, right? Yeah. So, I watched that, and, um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you were making the kind of money where, you know, Whatever you had done with your, you had made the type of money where whatever you had done with your degree, mm-hmm. it wouldn't compare to what you were doing. So the next sentence here that mm-hmm. stuck with me was, um, "We want, you know, we want everything so quick, and once you get it quick, how could you ever get it slow?" And you know, that's something I could really yeah. relate to. And uh, if you could just tell our, you know, entrepreneurial listeners, you know, yeah. what's your advice to a young entrepreneur? Well, I, I think not really having the entrepreneur, maybe I do have an entrepreneurial spirit, but um, I think that the idea of work has changed now, Yeah. right? Because like you can start, you can have a startup, which is an idea, right? But then you, you learn how to market that idea and you get enough people interested in it and you can have people invest in you and become wealthy almost instantaneously, right? So yeah. it's like, uh, and and there seems much less risk in that mm-hmm. right so the, the the outlay of resources seems less and then there's this as long as you don't do anything illegal then there's not the, the the risk of going to jail but i think i equated that kind of i equated wealth with a kind of labor a physical labor mm-hmm. in some cases like a, a mental labor and and i didn't I wasn't willing to put that kind of work in. Yeah. Um, and uh, I also felt like I had responsibilities earlier. I know that I had responsibilities earlier than I should. So so then it made the idea of the um, journey of of accumulating wealth yeah. that much more um, unattractive to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think. Uh, it's kind of hard because selling drugs is almost, it seems like something that uh, in, in the same sense as like 
being able to like come up with a startup idea or something. It's like a similar thing because you could get, you know, if you had a someone who had a, a drug plug in the 90s, they could just give you, you know, how, how many kilos. And if you knew how to get yeah. it off, like you had instant wealth, but then you also might not get it off. You know, that might yeah. be the one where you end up doing life. Um, but me, I think the thing that's most important to me about that comment and that way of thinking is that I make more money now than I did selling dope, and I could not imagine that I would be doing that. Like, I could not imagine this life when I was in that life. So it's more about the microscopicness of my vision than it was about my options. Like, okay. I just couldn't perceive it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's maybe what is... It's, it's easier now to do it because you have the end like I mean this is all pre-internet stuff too right so yeah, like sure. I couldn't see the world in the way that a uh, 19 17 year old yeah. I wasn't connected to people in that way mm -hmm. so I think um, now there's an opportunity to like see the world to see the options to see how vast it is to also see the repercussions of people who are making bad decisions so I would hope that a person now would be much more informed in their decision making yeah for sure so with this podcast we you know we specialize in you know entrepreneurship finance you know promoting financial empowerment so yeah. i kind of have like a two-part question for you to close this out mm -hmm. um best personal investment you've ever made and mm -hmm. best financial advice you could give our listeners uh best personal investment <laughs> uh i think the best personal investment that i ever made was to invest in myself okay um and that is to put in the labor that it took to work on that book i mean i worked on the residue years for 13 years something wow. like that and uh you know if you if you amortize that over the hours and the years like i'm making pennies if that on the hour but it has provided me a life that's going like it might provide my children a life so like exactly when you in the, in the long scheme of things it was an investment in my future mm -hmm. um the other thing was the film like i financed the film at least for three or four years while i was shooting out of pocket and yeah. i wasn't making that much money so i would take you know two or three thousand or five or six hundred here and do this and the 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 film hasn't I haven't earned money off the film, but one, like halfway in, I met these, um, for lack of a better word, rich people who uh, saw me speak and they were like, we just want to be a part of what you're doing yeah. and how can we help you? And they, I was like, oh, well, I'm shooting this documentary and I need some money. I'm like, okay. And they just gave me $50,000. Just like, here's a personal check, go make your film. So I would not have been, even been in that position had I not first invested in myself, right? Exactly, so it's the exactly, same thing yeah. as like a company. You have to put some investment into it first mm -hmm. before someone else don't have anyone else. Like, I don't think, I mean, people might believe in you as much as you do, but there's very, I think it's less chance that someone's going to believe in something to the degree that you do, and especially exactly. if you haven't put something into it. Yeah. Uh, and then, wait, what was the last question? The, um best financial advice you best give. financial advice was a guy I met um, I used to have a friend who uh, was in the NBA and he used to work uh, he used to come here for a fashion week because there's this guy 
named Chris Ayer, A-I-R-E. What is the name that he uses? He's the, he's like the NBA jeweler. So he makes all the guys, all their big watches yeah, yeah. and all the stuff. And um, so he used to have a fashion show, but the fashion show was to show off his jewelry. So one time I was at that fashion show with my friend in the league, and I met this financial advisor. And he came up to me, and we were talking about where I traveled. And he's like, you know, where'd you go? And I was like, oh, man, I went to, like, you know, Miami and, and Cancun and Puerto Rico. And he was like, Mitch, you're going to the wrong places. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah. He said that where you travel becomes a currency that you can trade with wealthy people. Like, when you get in a room with wealthy people, you need to be able to have a conversation about where you've traveled with them to open up a conversation about something else. And I never had thought about that. So now, like, there's a a couple, like, two or three summers I've taken a cruise. One I took, like, south of France. One I took uh, Rome to, I forgot where else we went. But anyway, those trips, I've noticed the people on those trips, like, now we're having these conversations about, oh, yeah. where were you last year? Oh, yeah, I was in Capri. Oh, yeah, I did that. And so... While I don't have much else in common with them, it's like allows me to have a conversation, and then you never know where that's going to lead. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So right, travel I like well. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. All right, everybody. With that being said, that concludes this interview. Thank you very much.